Hello world and welcome to the Sales Synergistics Podcast where we arm you with the knowledge, tools, skills, and experts to bring your sales, marketing, and operations teams together all through your sales process. Let's get into our podcast for the day and see how we can help you succeed. Today, I'm privileged to have one of my kindred spirits, Mr. Winston Wilson, on the line to talk about his sales background. And um, just as an introduction to the group, Winston, could you please tell us a little about your personal career and uh, highlight some of the places where you came into sales? I definitely will. And Jason, I just want to tell you, thank you for allowing me to be part of this. My sales career is interesting because I started off as a young man working in retail, as many people do, running retail stores. And I kind of had a blast with that for a while. I went from a job where I was running a store to being a salesman because I was so intrigued about the role of sales. And the thing that really started to resonate with me is that I really loved the fact that I was helping a lot of clients. Um, So I did that for a number of years. And then I had an opportunity to run and to help sales leaders, frontline salespeople. And I did that for a number of years. And then I got to a point where I was leading an organization and an operation of almost 300 people, all focused on some aspect of sales. Um, Mm. And and that entire path really had a chance or had an opportunity for me to start to think about not just sales from from a transactional perspective, but from the long-term relational aspects of sales, things like service, things like effectiveness, things like training. So I got a chance to not just dip my toe in those things, but to actually help to craft a lot of those things. And so my career in sales is long and winded, and and it was all in the payments processing area. So for those who may not know what that is, that's all credit card processing. I got introduced to my most recent opportunity to work with a bank that supports merchant processing for the entire United States government. Um, I love this role. I get a chance to go in front of people in D.C. and do what we're doing here and talk about how payment processing and how sales is such an important thing. So that's exciting to me. I almost feel uh, like a professor sometimes because I get a chance to really talk about how does all of that can help them. Right. So that's a long, windy career. So that that means 20 years of my career, I've been involved in sales on some level. And throughout all of that, I've still had a chance to do other things. So I've helped to run a couple of nonprofit boards here in Atlanta and as well as my own where it's really about helping our community in different ways. One with young people, the one I'm involved with now is in regards to the arts and other organizations within there. And I talked to you a little bit about my future around crafting, you know, whether it's books or other messages around how sales is so important. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's just a great career, great background, and it's going to lend itself to an excellent conversation today. I like that. And I know we had talked before about some of your work as a sales leader, uh, not just an individual performer, but um, you've led some pretty high performing teams. Is that correct? Yes. And the thing that I really remember that had such an effect or such a thing that I enjoyed the most was that my sales teams were varied. So I would have some sales teams that were focused on working with financial institutions. 
I would have others that were focused on working on what, you know, what's termed as cold call kind of opportunities. I had another group that was appointment setters. I had another group that was service individuals. So I had a chance to really understand sales from all different aspects, from the beginning till the end. And the thing that I, I hoped made me an effective sales leader amongst my team members is that I was in sales as well. So I would help my sales people, not just on a sales call, but I would go out and find larger partnerships and relationships or whatever I needed to do in order to bring more opportunities to my salespeople. Because right. my, my, my overarching principle was this, is that regardless of what titles say, everybody's in sales. Yes. You know, so you could be the janitor, you could be the CEO, everybody's in sales. Everybody's got to do some selling. There, there's no doubt about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love that philosophy. And that's something that's been a challenge for uh, a lot of the clients I've worked with. There's a rift between the people in the sales department as they feel they're just different cats. They're different types of people and everyone else in the organization and operations or marketing. Um, they just seem to operate differently. Have you seen that in your experience? I guess maybe uh, if you have seen that, maybe you could tell me an anecdote of a time where you saw some rift between the sales team and the rest of the organization that was maybe fueled by that lack of understanding. Yeah, I, I have seen it. And it's unfortunate because those who were uh, had creating the rift were trying to sell us on why there was a rift. But I tell you, an organization, the way I look at it is that everyone, regardless of what the operational function is, is doing some kind of selling. And that's how I would advocate for it, especially when the other departments would say, well, you sales guys are always the gregarious people who are out there trying to just get numbers and that's all you were about. And that was not true. I made sure that our focus in sales, and this is how I kind of helped to bridge the gap in, in cases where that came up, was not really about us. It wasn't about the sales group or the marketing team or the operational guys or the training guys or the HR people. It was all about the customer. And so the goal was always to like, let's focus on that. And we all have a role to play within that. Did that always work on some, with some people who were obstinate and believed they were not in sales? It didn't always work, but it helped. And it worked a lot of times to really make sure that the vision and the focus was on what was really important, which was the client. And I think a lot of the, the, the times I can remember one instance with this where there was an operational leader who believed that there was a real clear divide. And I said, no, what this person did is they helped to make sure that whatever we as salespersons did flowed appropriately and that the clients got their credit card machines and equipment well. I was like, you and I are on the same team. Absolutely. We are the same people trying to do the same thing. You just do this. My team talks to them about the value of what this is going to mean to them, and you help us to execute on it. That really helped to bridge the gap on it. But I would say that this, this happens probably all over the world, all of the time. There's lots of negative connotations associated with it, the movies and those kind of things that paint salespeople in a, what I consider a poor light, where they say, oh, salespeople are what this movie is is telling us. That we're charlatans trying to manipulate human beings. We're not. We're people who are trying to influence and create value to help human beings get what they need to get. 
So whomever's listening to this podcast, Jason, whatever, wherever they're sitting, they've got something right now, whether it's a book or car or whatever is in their hand, that some salesperson had to sell to somebody else in order for them to have it. I love that. I love that you took that focus on the client as the important driving factor to bring people together. And I, I espouse that in the stuff that I teach to my clients that you need to make sure that everybody's thinking about that revenue generation that everybody needs for the business to stay solvent, right? So what are you and your role doing to help affect bringing the customer to or moving them through a sales process that starts with someone being a total stranger to the business and ends with them being a long-term returning customer and advocate that's bringing more clients to you from all the wonderful things they're saying about you. It's not just the transaction, but the sales process goes all the way through advocacy. I would say that I've seen that advocacy have to happen when I was selling partnerships. So my title was whatever it was where I was supporting a large organization. So I had to go in and sell to one electronics company, and I won't say their name. So we had to go and talk to them about how the value of us supporting them and working with them from a merchant processing perspective would bring value to what they were doing. And it was interesting. We actually had a meeting and we were meeting in this high rise building. And when the people came into the room, they all spoke Japanese for the most part or very fragmented English. Um, right. But then when we started to talk about the clients and my question to them was when your clients buy your 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 um, your your software or your solution, your hardware. What's the experience you want to have happen? When that happened, all of a sudden the conversation went away from the mechanics of the sales process or the leads and how we're going to get this and the revenue, et cetera, et cetera. And it became a real focused conversation on the end result, which was to make a great customer experience or a great client experience. Um, and I think that worked out well. You know, and we had a partnership with them for over half a decade. So I thought it was a pretty effective thing. That's a good anecdote. It's a good story about, um, you know, how that focus on the customer kind of brings people together. I, I wonder if there are some fundamental differences between the kind of person you have to be in sales and what other people in the organization go through that kind of justifies a little bit of that rift. Have you seen some things that are uniquely different? I would say so. And the differences from what I can see are that salespeople don't have to be introverted or extroverted, but they do have to be results oriented. So people within organizations that have a results orientation always have, in my opinion, from my experience, have an ability to be more effective at sales. So I've had some of the best salespeople ever. And if you're having a conversation with them, they might say two words. But when it's ready to go and talk to clients, they're excited, they're animated, they're ready to go. And so results orientation is number one. Number two is what I've seen is a real focus on process. I think a lot of times sales it's got this kind of glorification that you just show up and you just get sales <laughs> and, that you're not, and that you don't sit there and you don't spend time right. on how do I prospect? Right. How do I close? What is my pitch going to sound like? 
you know, product knowledge. Those things are all part of the process. And if you, and the, what I found is that people who are into those, regardless of any other characteristics, have an ability to be very successful salespeople. That is a difference than some other departments sometimes. So uh, some other departments might be focused on tactically fixing issues that show up or helping someone that's HR or somewhere along those lines, but they're not necessarily focused on results and having a defined process about it. So that's kind of the difference from what I can see in those two areas. So yeah, that uh, that is a distinct difference. I've seen that myself too. And I think that those two differences you talked about will probably affect the way you interact with the people around you. If you're very results oriented, then you will certainly um, look to others to get the same type of results. So if you're very process focused, then you will tend to expect processes from others as well. You'll have that sort of an orientation towards asking people about what they intend to do, what the next steps are. And if they don't have that kind of thought process, you might come off a little abrasive. There's no doubt about it. I can give you a quick story on this, personal story. Mm -hmm. So when I first was in sales, I decided to take that role in sales. And my first few months, I was coming in, I wasn't the number one salesperson. And I was coming in like number three or four or something. And and this like really bugged me. And I was saying to myself, man, I am putting in so much effort. I love talking to my clients and, and sharing them solutions. What's the difference between me and the person that's number one? Like, what's the difference between us? And I said, I had to change my process. And back in those days, there was no defined thing about you talk to X amount of prospects, which means X amount of opportunities, it means X amount of sales, close, and one. None of that existed. But I decided to make that for myself. I was like, I have to make that process for me. And then I decided to become like this over overly systematized person. So if a client says, Winston, I want to call I want to call back at 4 p.m. on Friday, 355, they're getting a call from me all the time. And those small differences elevated me from four up to the top where I wanted to be. And those are all process things. My sales technique was good, but those process missteps were the reason why I wasn't number one. So I would advocate any salesperson that you got to make sure your processes are tight and don't miss a thing. That's awesome. I've found that myself, too. I've heard many sales coaches across the board talk about the number one reason for salespeople's lack of success is discipline. Yes. Just the discipline to adhere to the process. And that discipline can erode in a couple of ways, sometimes from a lack of knowledge or experience. Right. Don't know how to be disciplined or, or what they should be doing. So they fall off. Uh, The other one is hubris that some people feel, oh, I've got this. I've been successful for many years and I'm more comfortable winging it. I'm more comfortable being the sales artist instead of the sales scientist. But the other one is people just being flat out lazy. It's just hard to do what we do. And some people just don't want to do it. Have you seen those three things manifest? I have. And the one that you mentioned that to me has had such an impact. And I've seen salespeople who were okay to begin with, 
rise up and become really stellar. And one of the ones you mentioned, and I would couch it as being having the ability to learn that you've got to get better. I think there's this misnomer that you're just a good salesperson. You just can just go out and talk to clients and you get deals and that's all you need to know. You don't need to know anything. However, the sales craft itself, those who are willing to learn more about how to refine it, how to get better, you know, is the opening that I used two years ago, is that still good now? Is the way I talk to clients about ultimately how do we conclude the sale and how do we bring them on? Is, you know, I did that great and I had great numbers in 2005, so hence I should do it in 2019. It's not true. Every salesperson needs to invest in their own education about their own craft. Right. I think this thing where sales is not a profession, it's like an activity. Yeah. Sales is not like putting on your shoes. Sales is, an, is a profession that you, you have to constantly learn about. If you're a policeman, you got to constantly get certified on you know stuff and, and that job. If you're a doctor, you have to constantly get certified. Sales is the same thing. Someone needs to, good salespeople always have to continue to develop themselves and continue to learn. Absolutely. And those those unique attributes we're talking about that make salespeople stand out, the results orientation, the process orientation, the good ones having discipline and a desire to learn. Have you seen the same level of those attributes outside of the sales organization? Because with your varied and diverse career, You've seen a lot of different aspects of the business. Do you feel that the sales team has those attributes to a higher degree than others? I would say that I've seen it in other areas um, and in other groups, but I would say that the sales, people who have the sales inclination are more willing to embrace it. They're more willing to say, you know what? I'm a salesperson, so hence I can chart my own income and my own success. So if I got to learn something and I got to be more disciplined at it, then I'm willing to do it. Whereas other areas within an organization might have that same desire, like, yeah, we got to get better. We got to learn more about whatever we're doing, but it's not as intense, I would say, as it would be as, as it is for a sales area. Now, are there areas that, you know, consider that an anathema that they shouldn't learn like that? I would say if that's the case, then that organization itself is in trouble. Um, I think having a culture of learning no matter what the department is will serve any organization well. But I do think that and salespeople usually are the first ones. They're like the Marines in the organization. So, you know, let's take the beachhead because we got to learn about what's new. We got to learn about the new product. We got to learn about what the new thing is. And then we'll bring everybody else to establish the foothold once we land on, you know, land on the beaches. That sounds fantastic. The one other thing that comes to mind is something you mentioned earlier in the conversation that you, from your perspective as a seller, you brought the focus to your relationship with the other division in your company by focusing on serving the customer. And I feel like that that's a driving force in the salesman's mentality to always think about providing for their customers, always being there. And that kind of selfless desire to serve uh, leads to a lot of salespersons burnout because they're always on. They feel they have to answer every call and they can't be on the phone uh, or they, they can't be off the phone during business hours. So 
they're doing admin at midnight and one in the morning. So um, that kind of aggressive service mentality serves the salesperson extremely well and it leads to happy customers. Do you think that same focus could work for other divisions of the business as they look at their internal customers as well? My opinion, and I'm, I'm very um, adamant about this, is that it has to. <laughs> like whatever the customer is, I, there used to be a running joke that when we're getting a meeting and, and I'm either the facilitator or the leader of the meeting, if we're t- whatever we're talking about, by the end of the meeting, I'm going to say, well, what's going to happen with our customers when we do this? Like, how is this going to affect them? And every part of an organization, a successful one, and there's lots of great examples. We see them all the time, whether they're fintechs or, or other organizations that focus on the customers first. You have to do it, especially in this day and age, because one of the things that is different than when I started in sales, when I started in sales, I could go in and talk to a client and really share with them and paint this wonderful picture about what's going to happen. And you still have to do that. The difference between now and then is that people think they know more knowledge because there's more access to knowledge, not saying that people know more, but you can go on and try to research everything you ever want to know about everything. Not saying that you know that, but people have this inclination like, yeah, I I got the access to learn anything. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It's changed the sales game altogether. It really has. It has. It it has. And so people will say there and say, yeah, um, I heard about that because I went on YouTube and that's I saw a video about it. So hence, I'm now the expert on the thing. Um, So salespeople have to understand that the customers, their clients now have this empowerment that they know uh, more than they've ever known. And that can be true. So the salesperson's job now to me is more is not just painting the invisible and selling the invisible, but being able to synergize what they know and what the values of what they know, but also what the client knows and then making a solution based on that, not based on what the salesperson knows, but what the client knows as well. Right. Right. And I know that internally, that goes on in between different divisions where you're serving an internal customer and you cannot go to them with just your problems and your needs. You have to make sure you interact with them at their level of need. What does the accounting department need from you as the purchasing department in order to make sure that everything is processed on time for the good of the deal or the sale or whatever the the business outcome might be? You have to take the other organization's perspective into your personal role in the organization in serving your internal customers. And that everybody, everybody is a customer. And one of the things I always would preach to people is that when you go into a business and you're trying to sell them, so you got to talk to the decision maker ultimately, right? Because that's the goal you get in order to move the sale along. But don't be afraid to sell other people because you never know who's the influencer of another, you know, of the decision maker. You know, sometimes it's a significant other or a spouse. Sometimes it's the admin. Who knows who the person is? So you've got to go in and make sure that everyone knows the value of what you're bringing to the table. And it sounds like as I listen to what we're discussing, um, we have a unique view of the seller's perspective of business and our role in the organization. What would you say to any of the business leaders you've worked with in the past, uh, any of the corporations you work with today, about how they as senior business leaders in the C-suite should look at the perspective of their sellers and what that seller's perspective 
could do for them and do for their organization. Sales is everybody's job. I'll start with that. Um, so if you're a C-level person, don't be afraid to pick up the phone or to talk to someone in the hallway about a sale that they're having or about how you can help them with their sale. Uh, that is, to me, the main major thing that will take a C-level person to constantly understand what's happening with their clients. You know, you can do surveys and all of those kind of things. Those are all have some modicum of effectiveness. But getting in front of your salespeople and saying, hey, let's talk to a client. What's happening? What's going on? That, to me, will have the most impact. And it'll allow you, as the leader, to understand how do we, how do we shift fast? Because what, what we've seen and we see all the time on news is that one business is doing great, they're gangbusters one minute, and the next minute they have to shutter their doors. And that's because they don't have to spend enough time to understand what's going on with the salespeople. What's and not really just the salespeople, because if you talk to your salespeople well, they'll tell you what your clients are telling you. So if your clients are migrating somewhere else, or your clients are saying this doesn't have the same value that it had before, you want to know that fast. You don't want to know that from survey or even social media surveys. You don't want to you don't want to get your answer about what's happening only from Twitter. You want to know what's happening directly from your clients. Right. And so sales is everybody's job. And, and I, I didn't come up with that. I'm sure I heard this from one of the, the many leaders that have helped me in, in my career. Yes, sir. Is that no matter what you do, no matter what your actual title is in the organization, you could be the person who, you know, cleans outside in the, in the parking lot and sweeps it up. Your job is to sell the client on what our value is. That to me is the overarching mission. And every time I hear about a, a C-level person who is so distance away, so distant away from that, I always get concerned. Absolutely. Winston, so, thank you. It's been an unmitigated pleasure hearing from you today. And we had a very long conversation leading up to us recording, and I want to keep that going. Um, tell those out there in the world that are listening to this podcast how they can find you, connect with you, and get more information to follow up on your thoughts or to engage your services with your current uh, employer in the financial services world? Well, I would, I would direct people to probably the fastest way to connect with me is via um, uh, my social media handle um, at Winston A. Wilson. That's pretty fast that you can get, um, get in contact with me. Uh, I also put a blog out about my thoughts. Um, it's at my own personal website, winstonawilson.com. Uh, the name of the, 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 the blog is WIT, so Winston is talking. And so I put out lots of different things associated with that. Um, if anyone wants to email me, I, I, would, I would direct them to email me directly versus anywhere else. Um, they can send it to me at winstonawilson at gmail.com or writer at winstonawilson.com. Those are probably the most effective ways to get me. Since I, I travel quite a bit, and, uh, and other ways might be more fragmented to get in contact with me. Those ways are pretty fast. All right. And Jason, again, thank you for allowing me to be part of this this story, this podcast. I, I, I really appreciate it. No doubt. No doubt. We're on the same journey, I can tell, with the same mission to evangelize sales to the rest of the world. And I'm glad we got to cross each other's path. We'll sit down and do this again real soon. Thanks again. Thank you so much. 
thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in this week. We appreciate you dialing in and listening to our podcast on a regular basis. Tell your friends about us. Tune in next time to find some more fantastic information to help you succeed in the world of sales. I'm Jason Smith, and we'll see you next time here at Sales Synergistics. Goodbye, world.